Welcome to the Marketing RevUp podcast with Axon Garside. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode in our, in our new web series and podcast called Marketing Rev Up. Um, throughout this series, we'll be discussing the core element, oh, having the core elements to help, help place marketing at the revenue table and attribute your efforts to your business's bottom line, and showing you how you can do that through the use of things like HubSpot and tools like yeah, tools like HubSpot. I'm joined today by Ian Guyver and Rob Samuels. Um, but before I let them sort of introduce themselves, um, I just wanted to explain if it's your first time um, hearing about Axon Garside, I wanted to explain a little bit about who we are and what we do. So we are a growth agency based out of very sunny Manchester today. Um, we work sort of exclusively within the B2B space, um, helping them make the most out of HubSpot and to level up their marketing activities. Um, we do this through our three key growth levers, first of which is the tech department which helps you make the most and makes help you make the most out of HubSpot and ensure that your HubSpot instant works around your team's processes. Um, marketing team, our inbound marketing team, which helps generate qualified leads through things like your website, assets and content. And our website team to help build a picture perfect website using HubSpot CMS um, and be able to track a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, uh, track prospects through the funnel and ensuring your website's your best salesperson. How this webinar will work, very similar to the webinar we did a couple of weeks ago. Um, we are going to run through it. Um, we're going to have a bit of a conversation about measuring the value of marketing um, and understanding how you can attribute different marketing activities um, to your business's bottom line. Um, and then there is, so we've got, obviously we're on live on LinkedIn, so comments can come through. And if there are any, com uh, any questions coming through, we'll get them up on screen and we will answer. So... Without further ado, um, I'll let the guys introduce themselves. So starting with Ian. Hello, everyone. Um, so I'm Ian Guyver. I'm uh, MD of uh, Axe and Garside. Um, uh, we started off as a, as a, a creative uh, Marcoms agency. <clears throat> I took the business over 10 years ago because I had um, consumed a load of HubSpot uh, content and became very excited by the inbound idea and concept. And we've been on a journey with HubSpot uh, ever since over the last uh, the last 10 years um my dirty secret i guess is that um my background is in sales not marketing um, <laughs> and that probably affects how we as a business approach approach inbound brilliant spot on and how about you rob yeah so for those who caught the last webinar you'll already be very familiar with my annoying face mm -hmm. um for those that didn't manage rob uh, i'm head of inbound axe and garside so i lead our marketing services delivery I've been with the company for four and a half years. And prior to that, my background was in content marketing. Um, so, yeah, um, that's, that's me. Spot on. Perfect. So we'll jump straight into this because I think we've had a conversation for sort of talk about this webinar. We've had a conversation about how it's sort of how marketing shifted and how what we measure has shifted immeasurably, especially within the last sort of decade. Um, so we'll start off with you, Ian. Obviously, speaking about... Um, the difference between you know looking at traditional marketing metrics and actually looking at what do businesses care about? Well, how how can we do how can marketing affect the bottom line of businesses? 
Mm. It's, and that, that's really the key question, I think, Rob. Um, it's, it's a really good starting point. Um, and, and maybe the best way into that is is if I tell you about a, a guy that we, we worked with in the business for a long time. He came from a marketing background and he became a commercial director of a, of a, of a biggish software company in the UK. Um, and when he arrived, he gave me a call and he said, I want you to speak to our marketing our marketing person, see what you think. Uh, um, why is that? Says me. Well, he says, I don't think much of her. <laughs> um, and in his words, he didn't think much of her because what she was doing was, uh, quote unquote, throwing leads over the fence at sales. Um, she called them leads. He called them contacts. So first thing was he didn't accept and recognize um, those contacts as leads. He didn't regard them as people that his salespeople should be speaking to. So that was that was the first thing. There's a bit of a theme there. Um, but but even more important than that, um, from his point of view, as uh, with his new hat on, having come from a marketing background, being a sales director, and now with an overall commercial responsibility, the things that he was really interested in were measuring financial data that really went to profitability. Uh, with three things that he was he was he was bothered about he was bothered about cost of acquisition how much it cost to get a new piece of business um he, he was bothered about return on investment if he spent if he spent uh twenty thousand pounds on a campaign and got a hundred thousand pound back five times roi that's what he was interested in um and, and perhaps most importantly of all he was interested in the actual revenue and the profitable revenue from that and that's what that's what his board were interested in but marketing were talking about marketing metrics they were talking about um not just vanity metrics what people traditionally call vanity metrics like how many follows you get they were talking about more substantial stuff to be fair like uh how many email open rates there were how many people were visiting the website um even how many people were were downloading um, some of the content that they had inside the business and all of that left and and and, his t and her team were working really hard to do that and they were they were delivering some quite high numbers of these contacts and she was she was clearly a really hard working person and her team of three people working like crazy but the team was left completely non plus by it, it just the the, the 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 business as a whole just just didn't really care and and the issue there the central issue which i think is is, is the one that we, we we need to talk about here was that even with something like a download even if that was uh, an ebook was downloaded by somebody who was in the right target audience, that in itself didn't establish a relationship between that download and profitable revenue out the other end. And it's the it's the establishment of of of, of that causal relationship, which I think is really key. And all of the marketers that we now talk to as a business are really primarily concerned with the measurable business value that they deliver to their organization. And, and, and too often, uh, people are caught up measuring the results of their business. And that's just not appreciated and respected by the business. So um, to measure the value of a business, you've got to establish a link between those marketing metrics and a direct link to the bottom line. How do you do that is really, I think, the key question. Yeah, and I think it comes, you know, I think it comes into perspective of looking at actually doing sort of very similar tactics for a, for a while now. And it's understanding actually which one of these tactics and, you know, what sort of marketing activities can we do that does actually drive revenue and how can we measure that completely throughout the pipeline? Um, sure. And I was going to say, and I'd, I'd, and I'd add to that, Rob, is, is, um, is, is oftentimes I find that um, people are measuring 
um, measuring those different tactics, as I say, so it might be measuring um, uh, a tactic like, say, for example, social media. How, how much traffic are they driving from social media? Or they might be measuring the effectiveness of their of their landing pages, as HubSpot, as HubSpot has called them, or, or lead conversion pages. Um, but really, the, the the I think the thing that, that 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 that's really emerged over our work over the last ten years is that is that what the business has got to do is 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 document and have agreement across the business on um, what we might call a pipeline or a funnel or a step by step um, a process that a buyer is going to go through to get to the point where revenue is realised. And to understand the relationship between those different steps and how they get there, and, and that's that's really the key things. There's a couple of things on that. Um, it's got to be something that the business read sales recognises. So classically, um, most businesses have got some kind of variation on a theme of awareness, consideration, decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're looking at a, at a campaign, which is a more useful measure typically than than um, than any particular activity within that. If you look at a campaign as a whole, how effective is that campaign at pulling people through the steps of that funnel? And uh, I think a really important thing there is, is not only that you have those steps documented and then you have some numbers that are based upon historic data or based upon aspiration or based upon best practice, that you have clear data expectations, smart goals as we call them, mm-hmm. um, set for each stage of that funnel. And a really important thing is that one of the things you want to understand is how is one set of activities, how is one campaign um, doing relative to another campaign? And in order to do that, this sounds obvious as I'm saying it, but it's amazing how many people don't do it, is you've got to have the same um, the same steps and the same measurement criteria applied to every single activity that you do. Because only when you do that can you compare one against another. Uh, one campaign against another, one set of activities against another, and that's really the starting point for a benchmark. If you've got, if you've got that funnel, that pipeline, and you can start to measure that, and you can start to see how many people are going down, and whether the conversion rate at each stage is going to give you the ability to get that result you're looking for at the other end, you're taking the first step to measuring profitability. Um, you may not be able to measure revenue out the box, uh, out, out the starting blocks rather, but but if you can measure that funnel. It gives you the starting point to then go on and measure what they're really interested in, when, which is the revenue that you can attribute to those activities. Yeah, I think, I think to kind of add on to that, what, what I typically advise clients is that I, I guess that that story at the start you mentioned Ian, is quite pertinent, and I see that a lot with with a lot of clients um, is the idea that marketing is chucking leads over the fence to sales, and you know it's the classic thing, isn't there? That it's sales and marketing are never aligned. There's, there's always kind of disagreements and that thing of uh, I don't recognise this as a lead, and then as a marketer you go, well they're just burning through my leads, it's ridiculous, and then as a salesperson they're going, well they're providing me with these rubbish unqualified leads. So typically what what we want to do in terms of when I'm setting KPIs or goals to help measure value with a client is we're trying to look like right across that that pipeline journey. So if we establish what does a lead look like that you as a marketer think right this could be promising but it's definitely not ready for sales and then you can then look at right what's an mql how do we define that how how, and the the steps that are required to do that so we can monitor those conversion rates Mm. so we can see right okay our traffic we're getting great traffic we can see that a really good sources for us might be email marketing or or organic or, or what have you um 
and we can see, right, okay, on that particular source or campaign, as Ian said, we're getting a particularly high contact rate. We're getting loads of these contacts, but I can see sales haven't accepted a single one of them. What's going on there? Why is that happening? And then we can start to explore that. And I think it's by understanding those KPIs and understanding different conversion goals and what that should look like as you move down the funnel, you can have a bit more clarity over what does and doesn't work. And like Ian said, get closer to recognizing that, that bottom line and, and revenue, which is ultimately, I think, that is the answer to, to the question at the start, how do you measure value in marketing? Really, it's revenue. That's, yeah, the, yeah. that's the answer, yeah. isn't it? Um, and all the other measurements, KPIs, et cetera, are sub-measurements, really, of how we get to revenue. And I think you can't, you can't emphasize enough the importance of, of having that documented and agreed. I mean, I, I, I just talk to so many people, and I, I know Rob and his team do, who, who will go into a meeting with sales and come out and say things like we felt like we were talking across each other um why why won't they accept your leads i don't know why they won't accept our leads you know they, these are good quality leads and what it turns out is there's no documentation of what what is what should be recognized as as a lead by sales that is signed off by marketing signed off by sales and signed off by the commercial leadership of the business and, and if you haven't got that documentation what happens is it then becomes in the gift of, of sales to decide whether they're going to have them or not. Whereas if there's a set criteria, there's, a, there's, a, there's in effect a, a contractual relationship within the business. It's actually clear cut. And if it turns out that with the best guess of the business, that, that what, what, what's regarded as a, as, a, as a marketing qualified lead, as, as, as Rob says, um, then doesn't turn into a sales accepted lead and then doesn't turn into proposal and then doesn't turn into revenue or else does turn into proposals and we come across this a lot and, and they're still not closed um, then what, what what the business should conclude from that is actually the criteria we've set for that qualification of a lead is actually not right and we've got to go back and revisit that um, and again oftentimes what happens is that 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 conversation doesn't take place and then and then the, even when you've got the starting point of agreement it just drifts off bit by bit by bit because it turns out it was based on educated guesswork but but reality uh, spins it a different way yeah i think yeah i, I completely i echo everything you said there uh, both of you i think from my perspective as well looking at how marketing's evolved you know massively within the last sort of 10 years from you know previously where we, you know, we spoke about there that um sales people used to control the information you know you had to get on the phone with a sales rep have a conversation with them mm. and then take the next steps through that whereas you know we moved into an age where you know hubspot came about and we had inbound marketing and content marketing mm. where now content is all your fingertips and then moving on from that in the last sort of like five you know mm. two, three years we've now got AI tools, which can, you know, create this content at rapid speed. So I think, I don't know if you agree with me, Rob, but I think that buyer's journey has changed immeasurably. And I think in terms of measuring the value of marketing and your marketing campaigns, like Ian said, you have to have those definitions across the board so you can measure it, you know, from day dot lead all the way through to opportunity. I think what's critical there as well is because of, of all of that you mentioned, which I totally agree with, we now as marketers have so much data available to us to measure the success of what we're doing. And it can be extremely overwhelming, um, particularly if you have multiple systems. Um, you know, we, we work with a lot of clients who 
have um, you know a separate CRM to a separate CMS marketing tools, um, you know email, social tools, etc. And they're using Google Analytics, um, Google Search Console, and you can have just pools of data all over the place. And it, it can genuinely be exhausting just looking at spreadsheets and numbers of all of this, and then you're suddenly expected by the board to demonstrate, mm. oh well, we've done, we've we've delivered this, and you're looking at all these disparate pools and thinking, ah. I have no idea what we're delivering because I, what does this mean? You can look at some Google Analytics is telling you, we've had this with a client where Google Analytics is telling us that they've got enormous numbers of direct sessions. We look at HubSpot, it's a completely different number. You go into a SEO tool like Ahrefs or SEMrush, it's telling you other things and you just think, what's the story here? How on earth do I report back on this? Mm. That's a challenge we're seeing more and more. And that, that when I started here, that just didn't exist at all. Um, you know, there was data available and people were, you know, more data driven than, than certainly in previous years, but but not to the extent that there is now. And I, I do think that huge amount of information blurs um, the ability to to really focus in on what is valuable here. And I think actually interesting, there's a couple of challenges for marketers that that come out of that because very often uh, the same businesses that say I'm going to call, I'm going to say it's outrageous, say outrageous things like um, we've got we've got dynamics it's a really good financial system. So therefore you in marketing can use the CRM and get on with it and use it as a marketing tool. And, um, and, and no marketer, I've literally never come across a marketer in the world anywhere um, that likes using dynamics. So if you're using dynamics and suffering, don't worry, everybody else is suffering. Um, and and um, who uses that tool. And, and one of the, and, and, and actually the same businesses that often, impose in the name of financial stringency or whatever the use of of, of the, the crm because it's free and it comes as part of the package and all of that that nonsense um that that same those same businesses tend to want to say well what is the evidence that marketing is actually affecting that bottom line what is what is the the, the, the value of marketing and actually in insisting on disconnected tools they're actually robbing marketing of the ability to to one deliver value and to to measure it, and and actually they're, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. So, for for marketers, I think taking the time to educate the business about how how the modern funnel should work, how there should be a relationship between those steps, and how you can't actually measure that, let alone optimize it, if you can't see the difference between those things because you've got connected systems, and ideally. A single system. I would say that, wouldn't I? Because I'm a HubSpotter. Yeah. But uh, a, a single system um, is, is 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 two sides of the same coin. Um, so I, I think that that that's that's one thing that comes out of it. And, and the other thing that um, just coming out of what what Rob said is it obviously I'm 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 so old that when I started doing this stuff it was it was the I, I called it the the age of no data. Um, you know, it, it was the old John Wanamaker thing, wasn't it? Of uh, half my half my advertising budget um, works, and the other half doesn't. The end problem is I don't know the difference. And then when, when you got digital, you could then me you could measure the point um, point point um, parts of your of your of your marketing. So you could measure the email, and you could measure the the landing pages, and all of that kind of stuff. But it was disconnected. And as the as the buyer went online in a meaningful way, you could then, with a tool like HubSpot, start measuring. The connected parts but the thing that i think has got really challenging um i guess in the last couple of years is that in the past that funnel uh, where you try to align your content and your marketing to the buying process of the buyer took place largely in your own 
your own real estate took 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 place in your blog and your website and so on and what's happened now is this explosion of other platforms so that people actually now want to educate themselves they want to go through that awareness consideration decision process they want to check out potential suppliers they want to think through uh, the consideration stage and very often they want to do all of that without ever going anywhere near your website so whereas four years ago we used to say well our job is to market your website in many ways that's becoming increasingly irrelevant i think you you shared a, a bit of data with me um, Rob, that uh, the overall HubSpot thing, that website traffic has gone down by 6%, which reflects that fact that people are wanting to use the web in a different way. So now you've got almost a challenge, potentially, of disconnected data again. Yeah, and I think that moulds in both of, you know, I think we touched on two topics there in terms of a myriad of new data touch points, but alongside that, a load of new content being out there. So the power is no longer within the hands of, you know, a company or within the website confines. I think a couple of the stats I picked out from the HubSpot state of marketing 2023 was that, you know, web traffic is down 6%. So obviously we're seeing organic search go down just because of the pure saturation, the amount of content being released um, and things like emails as well, where would traditionally be a very good touch point to get in, you know, to get in touch with your prospects. You know, open rates are 13% across the board. So I think that coupled with the fact that, you know, I think there was a stat, Again, I don't have the exact stat to hand, but it's about 80% of your buyers aren't actually in market, the ones that are researching your solutions. So you need to make sure you're capturing them, you know, once they come down, and, you know, once they go on your website, being able to um, catch them. So, yeah, it's just about, yeah, I think obviously we're going to delve into it in a minute, sort of how we evaluate that and how, and how um, we go about doing that. But I think, like I said, it's, it's looking at your campaigns from a holistic perspective, isn't it? And going, actually, these are the touch points we need to hit. We, we know our buyers are going to be here. You know, we can't, yeah, and it's just attributing it back to revenue. Um, so in terms of evaluating it, Rob, I think this bit is for you. So how what measurements can marketing professionals be taking to sort of assess the effectiveness of their of their campaigns and how they're affecting revenue and growth to the business? Yeah, so I think the key measurements are about understanding how your users, how people are converting each stage of, of your funnel. So um, often I I kind of think of it as a, a really long chain, starting with the, the very beginning when it's an absolute stranger who's found you via some sort of medium. So if, for example, they found you via Google search engine, your first conversion metric is your click-through rate. Mm -hmm. How many people are actually seeing your um, you know, your position in the SERPs and clicking the thing to go through to your website. That's the first dropout point. Um, you can you can improve that with meta descriptions, with schema markup. Um, there are ways to make that better. Um, so that's, that's number one. You're already at the very start, you're losing people because people don't click, they keep scrolling. So then they get to your website. What's the next thing? We need to be looking at things like CTA rates, how people are actually doing at clicking a call to action a button in order to take an action of some sort so if we're looking at, at ga4 would would refer to this as uh as um a, a conversion goal based on an action uh, of some sort whereas in hubspot we'd call it a cta rate mm -hmm. um so you'd want to be tracking that you want to understand how many page visitors are then interested in taking the next step which typically in the way we would build our campaigns that next step would link to a piece of gated content, i.e. something behind a form. It doesn't always necessarily have to be that, but that's typically what a next step might look like. So then your next potential conversion point is your form. So how many people are submitting that form um, and then getting through to uh, to the next stage? So typically what we'd suggest again is when somebody fills in a form, they're entered into a workflow, i.e. some sort of marketing automation track 
where we're sending them emails to try and give them more information, more content, try and move them down, nurture them towards becoming something we might think is a sales accepted lead. Um, so at this point, we might have a great lead. We've identified them as an MQL. They've ticked all the right boxes. Maybe we've got lead scoring in place and we can say that's hit our target number. Fantastic. Then we would want to try and pass that through to sales. So then we can look at conversion rates um, in terms of sales accepted leads. Uh, and then in HubSpot, what we'd do is look at life cycle stages. So then we could see, right, how are people progressing down the funnel to life cycle stage? Uh, so we'd want to measure that. So again, it's, it's this chain of dropouts. And then from uh, sales accepted, you'd obviously want to see how many of those turn into a deal. Um, in HubSpot language, Salesforce, I know the processes for that are slightly different, but essentially that, you know, in, in non-platform uh, speakers, um, a salesperson has picked up a phone and it's actually an interesting prospect that might go somewhere. That's another conversion point. And then we want to see how many of those conversations lead to an actual proposition being put forward, a proposal, how many of those have won, how many are lost. That's the full kind of conversion track. And if we understand our rates across that funnel, that will empower us as marketers to be able to identify the weaknesses in our chain. And we can see, right, okay, we're doing fantastic at generating leads. Um, they don't turn into marketing qualified leads, what's happening. Or we get great traffic, our CTA rate is terrible. But we know once they actually get to sales, they close. And then you can focus your efforts more intelligently on the right thing. Because, um, you know, we know we're, I, I don't speak to a marketer now who isn't, hasn't got 50 different projects on the go and is absolutely pulling the hair out and stressed and looking at hundreds of different data points and trying to figure <laughs> it out. But hopefully by using that kind of approach, you can, you can cut through a bit of that noise and focus on the key things. Mm. Um, I would say those are probably some of the more important metrics I would recommend tracking. Yeah, and I think that feels back to sort of what Ian was saying earlier on, talking about if those MQL, SQL definitions are really aligned both between yourself and sales, you should start seeing, you know, the velocity of those opportunities increase and you should start seeing the conversion rate from cold lead all the way through to, you know, customer. You should start to increase if, if you are able to manage them by campaign. Um, we did, I mean, I'm obviously talking myself as the marketing manager here at Axon Carside, but I did something very similar when we first joined. I looked at all the sort of conversion assets and forms on the site and had a look at how many are actually pulling through um, in terms of leads. And, you know, we had a substantial amount of leads and then able just to segment them by campaign and forms and landing pages and understand from those leads that came through those individual forms, which ones all went all the way through to customer. Um and what we found without sort of divulging into the numbers, but what, what we found was that there was a couple of forms on the website, which uh, a couple of assets and forms on the website, which performed substantially better, you know, and we can then look at that and go, right, we can focus our marketing efforts on these assets, these high priority assets, which then ensure as, as um, people progress through, there's a higher rate of people going to opportunity and therefore higher people going to deal. Mm. So we can focus on those, um, those campaigns. And on the flip side of that, with the campaigns that maybe are performing less, we can actually identify the opportunities. What are we missing? You know, are we not promoting it enough? Are we promoting it in the wrong channels? And if we operate it in the right channels, are we doing it in the wrong way? Um, and I think that's the important thing to take away from, you know, looking at how you can measure the value of marketing. If you can attribute it back to revenue, very happy days. But I think being able to attribute it throughout the sales funnel as well is just, you know, not just throwing it over the fence to sales and going, you know, deal with it. Um, being able to track the quality of leads coming through. Um, and I think that from my perspective, I don't know if you guys have anything to add on that, but that from my perspective is how you can really evaluate how successful your campaigns are and how much you're affecting the bottom line. 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I know. Well, I was going to say. I mean, for, for, to me, the you know the, the takeaway from that in, in in many ways is start with the revenue. Mm-hmm. Always start with the revenue and feedback. What is it that's that's giving you the revenue? Because you know, uh, as an example, I was talking earlier about having the same criteria across different campaigns or activities. Uh, it could be that you've got um, an asset at the centre of a campaign that is that is five times as effective uh, in terms of creating downloads as another one. But when you go down to the bottom of the funnel and you go down to that, that point of revenue, actually, guess what? They don't convert. And if you've got those steps and you've got those stages, then uh, then you can you can understand um, what is what is going on and why one is not working as well on another. And crucially for us, um, what, what what Rob's been doing recently is, is focusing on, on what has created the bottom line result um, with a with a consequent upturn in our in our in all our marketing metri- uh, metrics across the board, um, so I think that's a, that's a really key takeaway. And, and I suppose the other one is, which I, I I certainly used to hear people saying, I don't know if you still do, Rob, is uh, well we haven't done this before, so you know what does good look like? And of course you you need to build your own data, but there are so many um, so much data out there that you can use as a benchmark and a starting point. I mean, you know, from our point of view in isolation, a good landing page conversion might be 35 percent. Um, oftentimes people have got a five percent well that's not going to do you a lot of good but then there's also data about how many people should then go down the funnel to the next stage and as best practice which you can use as a starting point benchmark and then refine from there but at least if you've got that you can you start to get some some measure of 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 what's going to be successful yeah and just to i guess i've got a a story of a a client who was able to demonstrate their value exceptionally well as marketers which i which i'll tell i think it's quite a nice way to sort of finish this off before we get to q a sorry to steal your thunder as host um but we 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 have a client who thanks to having all their data aligned inside hubspot um and having a uh, hubspot marketing enterprise license which is pretty key to this they have access to what's called attribution reporting inside of hubspot so that means you're able to actually attribute deals and revenue to individual pieces of content and campaigns we created um a really uh, central piece of content for them a pillar page which was designed to be a focal point of a campaign um and it was on a key topic which is central to their business um that piece since we've launched it i can see inside hubspot that there is 200 over 200,000 pounds of attributed revenue just to that piece of content it's completely free you can google the keyword you'll find it it's not gated it's not behind a form but i can see exactly how much value that piece of marketing collateral has brought to the business as can the marketers within that company and they can present that to their board and say this piece of content just sits there now and it generates revenue time and time again and how great is that for a marketer to be able to take that to their board and say this is the value we are driving in this business as marketers it's pretty powerful Um, so uh, that's that's a vision we can all reach i think um but it, it requires um all of the things we've talked about today it requires having clear definitions, understanding your goals and the metrics you're managing. And crucially, it requires data to be centralized, mm-hmm. which is probably something we'll cover in a later webinar. I imagine, Rob, with uh, people far more qualified than me to talk about it. and Garcia. Well, yeah, that was, that was going to be my add-on. Um, I was going to say that for those that are on the webinar today and are going to be part of the web series, we are planning and almost doing a part two to this to showing how you know within HubSpot within your HubSpot instance you can start setting up attribution reporting and looking at how you could very you know take in action from these webinars and how you can set up in your portal and start showing that value so 
just for everyone online that there is going to be a part two probably in a couple of weeks or to a month's time so in a couple of episodes time basically we do we have had some questions um from the team um i'm just going to get one up from megan rudd first so um in situations where i think this one's probably targeted towards you rob um in situations where marketing budgets are limited what are the most cost-effective tactics for delivering value and driving revenue in B2B marketing? Um, typically with, with clients, we'd, if, we, if it was a new client engagement, obviously we always work within budgets and depends mm. what, you know, what, what fees we're working with with our clients, um, which is obviously based on their own marketing budgets. Typically, we, we would look to do a series of quick wins. So we try and identify what are the immediate um, opportunities we can do to increase some of those conversion rates down the chain that I was talking about before. So it might be, for example, that if you've got a really poor um cta rate or you've got um you're you're generating traffic but you're not seeing it convert into contacts some really quick tactics you could use is if you have any sort of long form blogs you could turn them into an ebook and put them behind a form for example that might be a quick way to do it you could utilize more ctas and pop-ups and things across your website look at the most high value appropriate intent pages and start promoting some of your gated assets there just try and do what you can to, to drive traffic towards conversion points towards forms and that way you're doing a quick approach to generate more contacts without really having to sit there creating new content or collateral mm. so that's what i'd say it's and obviously that that is assuming a scenario in which you need to create contacts um we work with a client to understand where the shortfalls are in the chain and then try and think of some quick tactics like that yeah and i think also i think it's also not taking the approach of just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. I think it, like you said, it's worth looking at what um, what assets you have currently or what forms you have currently that are generating the, the, the most amount of revenue um, and taking that and then, you know, working all your assets towards that. So, yeah. Um, got a question here. From Sorry. Sean. Got a nice one from Sean. Hello, Sean. Let me get it up on screen. Um if I'm trying to sell this approach internally, where should I start and what would be the top three things to do to drive success? Uh, I know exactly why Sean's asking that question. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I think that, that, that one, of the, one of the things is that, uh, that um, talking about the funnels and talking about the steps and talking about the data is fine, but it's only going to resonate if the business understands at the most fundamental level. Um, how inbound marketing, how the idea of being a magnet that attracts um, rather than pushing stuff out uh, works. And um, that might uh, touch on to one of the other questions we've got. So I think un helping people to understand why the fundamental process needs to be needs to be undertaken is, is really, really important. If you haven't got that understanding, the rest of it just won't resonate. Um, and, and interestingly, um, in my experience, People who have trouble, let's put it like that, um, accepting the validity of, of, of the methodology um, are people who are wanting, it's willful, wishful thinking. Because if they think about how they buy things, they want to be in control. If they think about how they buy things, they want to go and investigate the opportunities and the possibilities. They want to understand their problems and they want to narrow down um, the, 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 the options and the types of solution. They want to do that online. They know that actually, but they just kind of uh, hope that it's not going to be the case. So the first thing is to help them to understand that and to, to, to take the time to educate all of the key stakeholders inside a business. There's no point marketing buying into it. There's no point um, 
sales buying into it if the C-suite don't buy into it. So you've got to take that time, I think, as a, as a first fundamental. The second is that you've got to illustrate this with numbers that they will understand and that, that will resonate with them. So you've got to plot that funnel, as, as Rob was, was saying, really. You've got to plot that funnel with numbers and show what that looks like. So they can sit there and say, okay, I know the theory. I get that. I know that that's how our buyers are going to start from the status quo break to the point when they spend some money. I can see what those steps are. I can see the numbers that you've got attached to each of those and how that produces result. I can see the lifetime value at the end. I can see the profitability, the margin. That is now a model that I understand and accept. And therefore, I understand why you've got to measure those things. So bin dynamics. And also, I can, I can understand how you're taking control of what's going on rather than just being a recipient of luck. And, and if you if you can do that and you get that understanding, I think most of the rest of it flows. Brilliant. I hope that answers it. Yeah, I think it, it lends quite well into this next question here from Alison. Um, in your experiences, what is the most efficient way to educate leadership teams, so that C-suite team we talked about just there, um, on the value of marketing before you have any in-house data? Uh, do, do you want to answer that in? Or just like... I was going to leave it to you. I thought everybody would have been fed up with me. <laughs> I'll answer if you like. But... Uh, yeah, go go for it. I can I can just uh, wait for you to make it, make the good points, then I'll just say something at the end to take credit. But what are the most efficient ways to educate? Was that the one? Yeah. Yes. It feels kind of similar in some ways to to, to, to what I just said, but I, I think um, I, I think the two things really. I'm, I'm trying to avoid repeating myself but I, th I think one of the things is you've got to have a workshop you've probably got to do this face to face you've certainly got to have a, a kind of round table discussion and you've got to give people the opportunity to articulate the concerns the doubts that they have about this thing mm -hmm. um, um uh, if, is that efficient in the sense that you've got to bring people together you've got to find time in busy people's diaries i think if you don't do that you haven't got the building blocks mm -hmm. so i think counterintuitively that taking the time is, is really important. I think um, ideally, and again, there's, there's stacks of data um, out there for, for how this methodology um, uh, works for manufacturers and for, for uh, from technology companies and professional services companies who are the folks that we tend to speak to. Um, there's loads of data on the HubSpot um, website and, uh, uh, and we've got a whole stack of our own as well. So you can, you can kind of set that, that best practice and then, as I say, then build a model of numbers that resonate resonate with the business and are, and are directly relevant uh, to that business and its objectives. Yeah, I'd probably also just just add at the end, if possible, and I know it isn't always possible. You know, models are great, but um, you know, everyone accepts that it's a model that's hypothetical. If you can illustrate it with real examples of how it yeah. might have worked, or or if it's worked for someone else, or even better, a competitor is doing it really well, and you're able to actually show the business, look, here's this um, piece of content, and I know then you don't necessarily have the numbers to back it up, but you can illustrate the points um, to, to go alongside the model you're you're presenting. And I think that's really, really helpful as well. Brilliant. I think we've got time for one final one. This one's from Jay. Um, and I can sort of lead off on this. It's kind of Rob's head off a little bit. Um, do you encounter challenges with clients who are predominantly engaged in traditional methods like cold email marketing um, when explaining the transition to inbound marketing as a longer term, more gradual method of lead generation? There is a little bit add on to that. And how do you deal with it? I think I'll hide it just so 
everyone's in screen here. Um, I think we talk about as quite often because we work with a lot of sort of engineering com uh, countries, companies, um, and traditionally they're, they're one of their modes of um, channels of marketing is to go to things like uh, trade exhibitions, which is a very, you know, very hard thing to track on. It's very hard thing to aggregate to value, you know, when you're paying quite a lot to be there, how do you aggregate the lead to get from there into revenue? And I think by following sort of the models we've spoken about, you know, previously um, in this webinar, I think... So I've just seen a comment pop through there. It's throwing me. Um, when you start, I think when you using a tool like HubSpot, you can input it in, you know, from your trade show, the leads you got through, and you can actually track them all the way with the lifecycle stage all the way through to customer. So I think with, again, you guys feel free to disagree with me or, you know, add your points to this. But from my perspective, you know, if people are dealing with more sort of traditional marketing channels, it might be harder, but you still can track those contacts all the way through from cold lead all the way through to customer. And I think that's the important fact. And, you know, actually I'll just drop this in before you guys answer, help uh, add to that is that we've written a really good article on calculating the ROI of trade shows. Um, and it's a really good blog. Um, I'll link it in the comments as well after this webinar, um, but it explains exactly how you do that. And it, it explains how you can, how you can take that forward. Yeah, the trade show one's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because it, it's the it's the oldest, it's the oldest thing in the book almost. Is is people who you you go to a trade show, and if anybody here has had the misfortune to do it, and you stand there in this hot and sweaty hall in in the outskirts of Birmingham on a floor that's killing your feet, and desperately looking out for some some victim to come close to your stand and jump it on the poor. I was going to say something rude then and inappropriate. Um, jumping on the on the on the potential customer. And um and uh and it, and, you, and you feel like you've had a really good time because you've just got hundreds of contacts, and it it just doesn't turn anywhere, doesn't go anywhere, uh, and it's because you're not not nurturing them, and it's because you're not recognising that they're not ready to buy, and therefore you're not applying applying the funnel. So even though they've ostensibly come to you through a very non-digital route. In actual fact, the chances are that they're going through, well, in fact, they will be going through exactly the same buying process. It's just that they're mixing the analog and the digital um, and not to lose sight of that. Um, uh, the, the other I mean, the question I, I see popping up there, which somebody's asked, which I think is a really good one, is um, uh, the other aspect of traditional marketing depends how you define traditional there's nothing more traditional than standing in, in at the nec but um <laughs> but um but 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 a lot of people it seems to me though are using some digital techniques in in a fundamentally old-fashioned way um and i'm thinking really of email there you know because in in um back in the day people would send out um tens of thousands of mailers that land on on someone's some and you had no idea how they how they read those how they responded to those and there are a lot of companies i think still using sending out thousands of emails as a substitute for aligning the way they market to the way people want to buy so they're sending it out when it suits them hoping somehow by some miracle that it hits the right person at just the right time with just the right message and guess what it doesn't do doesn't work very often um and you get sufficient volumes of data um and and and, and seeing that as an activity that you do and then it finishes and then you get another load of victims and you send another load of messages that suit you when it when at a time that suits you and all of the rest of it actually if you take a different approach and say well there is a place for sending out emails to people to carefully chosen data there's no substitute for building your own data but there is a place for sending out emails but if you send out emails and then you use a tool like hubspot or others are available um, to understand the behavior of the recipient 
and to respond to that intelligently and use the functionality of those tools to start building a relationship, start reacting and start 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 creating intelligent workflows, then in some ways, going back to one of the other questions, that is a good way of starting the inbound methodology, albeit from a from a different place, and again giving you the ability to to measure the metrics against that. Uh, I've got nothing to add. I just wanted to get the last word in. Go on, you crack on then. That's it. That, was <laughs> that, is, that is his last word. That is his last word. He just he just <laughs> didn't want me to finish. Yeah, yeah. It's just if I finish last, people will think I'm not. You know. What a, what a great session that guy did. Or actually, he did, want, he did want me to finish, but he didn't want me to be the finisher. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. So on that note, I know we ran a couple of minutes over there, but um, no, I thought I was, uh, you know, thank you guys for attending this. And this will be the first of a series of webinars we'll be doing hosted here on LinkedIn. Um, as always, thank you guys. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Rob, for helping do this, um, do this webinar with us. Um, and yeah, we will see you later. Make sure to get signed up for the next ones. Thank Cheers, you, everyone. Guys. Thank Cheers, you. Everyone. Thanks for listening. Cheers.